This is episode 192 of the Focused Mindset Podcast. Now, there's been many times on this podcast that we've talked about mindfulness, the importance of breathing. We've even done breathing techniques together that we can do with ourselves, with our family, and just the importance of how we can be in the right frame of mind when we do that. But we've never really dove into how yoga could be involved with that and why it's just kind of an offshoot of mindfulness. Today, you get to listen in on the second half of a conversation that I had with Dr. Sarah Kirk. She's the owner of Yoga for Classrooms. That's yoga, the number four classrooms. And she works with counselors, with schools, just to be able to really teach them how they can bridge the gap between um, classroom work and then helping their mind be in the right space by using yoga practices. I heard her talk about this in person, and I'm so glad that we get to dedicate an entire episode to hearing about it. So just um, get ready to be enriched yourself and use some of these great practices moving forward. And without any further ado, let's get going. This is the podcast where you learn how to build stronger connections and have better conversations using the solution-focused approach. I'm Cher Kretz. I'm a school counselor and a solution-focused life coach, and each week we learn new strategies so that we can build our families strong and be the person that we were always meant to be. You can learn more about our products and services by going to thefocusedmindset.com or hop over to Amazon to get 30 Days to Higher Hopes. Now, I've, um, I've practiced a lot of mindfulness with my kids and not ventured so much into the yoga part yet, but I'm, I'm getting brave enough. <laughs> and uh, a lot of times um, I find that it will be towards a tier two and not a tier one. So I'm really eager and anxious to hear about how you're able to implement um, yoga practices in the classroom and just really promote people getting excited about it. Um, yeah. I found that there's reluctance. <laughs> there's reluctance when even in the world of mindfulness, which is very similar in where your mindset needs to be. It'll be like, oh yeah, well, my kids, you know, now well, you want to come in and do it. That's fine. But us doing it, uh, you know, so <laughs> tell me a little bit about, first of all, your new company that you're the owner of woohoo, and, uh, and then how this works on a level that everyone can benefit. Sure. Yeah. So Yoga for Classrooms, as I mentioned, was established in 2007 by Lisa Flynn. And Lisa was a, you know, a lifelong yogi, but started to see her school age kids needing some additional tools, essentially, in their tool belt. And she was volunteering at her kids' school a lot and really just saw that it wasn't just her kids that were needing some of that. And it was then that she started creating Yoga for Classrooms as a way to to implement these really small mindful moments into the day. Like I said, the the mission and the vision behind Yoga for Classrooms is 
no props, no mats, no moving desks out of the way. Um, these are quick, simple, no yoga experience for the the educators required. Um, and th- that makes yoga for classrooms a little bit different from some of the other things out there that really encourage a more traditional yoga practice, which is great if you have the time and space and ability. But like you said, so many people are scared of it because... It feels intimidating. It it feels intimidating, exactly. So yoga for classrooms, like I said, is not meant to be done um, with a ton of space. And that's something I learned. I... um, when I first was implementing yoga for mind, yoga and mindfulness, I applied for a grant through Donors Choose, or I applied for a grant separate. Then I got additional materials through Donors Choose, and it was all the mats, and I got blocks, and I got, you know, all the things. And I ran a yoga club at the school I was at, and it was wildly successful. It was a really big hit. And I did have the space at the time, I had a big classroom. As a school counselor, I didn't need a ton of desks and things. And so I would kind of push the tables out of the way, stack the chairs, and all of a sudden we had a yoga room. And like I said, it was a real win. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that type of yoga in schools because one of the things that was most beautiful about it was it it really did expose kids to the power of yoga at a young age. Mm-hmm. I you know, had conversations with students who are now in college and say, you know, at the time I didn't really know why yoga was important. But now when I'm really stressed before a big exam in college, I go to a yoga class at my yes. university, you know, and they wouldn't have had that exposure and they wouldn't have known that was a tool. And that mm-hmm. to me is that's huge, a huge win. Yes. Mm-hmm. I certainly didn't have that in college and wish I would have. And so, again, that was beneficial, not something I would have done any different But I did, as you mentioned, I was seeing so much success. Kids were responding so well to it. I did start using it as a tier two intervention. I taught some of our students who often needed to take a break that I would get called down to their classrooms. I taught them some of the breathing techniques. I taught them some of the, you know, small little mindful moments. And so then I would use it in those times. But that's when I realized, but wait a second, I'm not the magic here. It's the mindfulness that's the magic. So how can we get these students using these tools before I have to be called down or not just once a week at yoga club, you know, that sort of thing. And and again, that's, I mean, truly how I found Yoga for Classrooms long before I found, you know, I knew I'd be in this position because Lisa created the program for all educators. It's not mm. a school counseling program. That was her vision, really. Her vision was mm. to create it for all educators and for it to be implemented, you know, in the classroom. I even remember going through the training as a school counselor being like, wow. oh my goodness, she's not telling me I have to do all of this. Oh, you this know, is so cool. Me I just need to train my teachers on this, you know, and, and then back to your point too, you know, I, I am always the first to admit, I mean, I have a yoga and mindfulness practice as an adult, but I'm not a professional. I am not an expert. And that is, I think I bring something really special to yoga and mindfulness in the school because I'm not going to like look like somebody in a magazine or on the TV or something, (laughs) you know, and it, it kind of, eliminates any, um, you know, 
feelings of you have to be a certain way to be mm-hmm. able to do this. So, you know, I would be practicing or teaching something that the teachers could use in their class and I'd fall over when I'm trying to you know, <laughs> use my balance or I'd talk about a deep breath, you know, to hold it for five and I'd get to three and not be able to hold it any longer. And that's okay. You know, we're right? all on a journey and, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, so helping educators and parents and caregivers who are trying to bring this to their kids to know, you know, it, you don't have to be perfect at it. And I think that teaches our kids something super powerful as mm-hmm. well, you know, that I use this tool, even though I'm not perfect, you know, and, um, and that's, that's the hope for yoga for classrooms is that it's not this standalone thing. And, and Lisa created something really beautiful in 2007 and has had incredible um, success leading that work into schools. I think she thinks she trained over 60,000 educators and the yoga for classrooms model is really a train. You get to a train the trainer piece. So then she really has no idea how many people have been trained. They then train her schools and um, there are our districts like Fairfax County and Virginia, which is I think one of the top 10 districts in the U S and they have yoga for classrooms in every school with fidelity. Mm -hmm. And it's just, they have done that because they've seen the, the impacts and the um, behavior referrals go down and the climate improve and teacher and educator, you know, morale increase. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty neat to see. I'm so true. I'm still learning a lot about um, the schools that are implementing it, but every time someone reaches out to share their story, it's it always comes back to we're doing this because we saw that it worked, you know, and, right. and we saw that as a tier one, everyone does this preventative support. It truly yeah. makes a difference. I remember I was asked to come into a staff meeting and teach them some mindfulness mm-hmm. and, um, and they all just seemed so over it. You know, they were all just like, oh, here we go. You know, they're going to have the counselor do a thing, you know, and I had them breathe in. And as they breathe in, you're doing your best and breathing out, let go of the rest. Mm -hmm. And we did that a few times Mm -hmm. and off they went to their classroom. And it wasn't until months and months later that I had to go into this random teacher. I didn't even go in her room very often. Uh And I was helping with a student and she goes, hold on. I have to let you know that that breathing in, do your best and out, you it, out, let go of the rest has helped me so much this year. I can't believe it. And I'm like, we just don't know, like these things are helping the people that need it. Even the teachers, you know, yeah. it helps them, you know, they're helping. We're, we're training them to help their kids, but it helps them cope. And it's so important because we need the tools to have ourselves be at peace and by giving our student that moment, we're giving ourselves that moment too. So yeah. it's so important. Totally. Oh, absolutely. I I mean, I could tell a hundred stories of when I was a school counselor moments that, you know, I'd be teaching a lesson or visiting a class or helping a teacher, you know, in a difficult situation. And all of a sudden I would realize I was becoming dysregulated. Right? I, I carried my yoga for classrooms activity cards everywhere. And, you know, I would say, I think oh. I need this. Do you all think you need this? And sure enough, we all needed it, you know, and, and 
I mean, if I would have tried to continue teaching that lesson or, you know, doing whatever I was doing, it was going to be difficult for all of us because I wasn't in the best place either. And so I do love that about about those, you know, quick mindful moment breaks. They're as good for the rest of us. At Yoga for Classrooms, we really like to emphasize and we train educators that not all mindful moments are perfect at all moments. So like, for example, we have energizing mindful moments. We have calming mindful moments. We have sequences when, you know, we've been seated for too long. We have sequences for test anxiety, you know, things like that. And Mm. I always tell you know, my students, when we're doing that, it's like, I need a, you know, I need an energizer too. Or, you know, it, again, it's, it's really for everyone in the room. It's not, yeah. not just for the students. So. It's so true. So give us a rundown. I mean, you just piqued my interest quite a bit. Give me a rundown on why yoga for classrooms is powerful and a little bit about what it offers that, that you yeah. feel is different than all the other stuff that's Sure. Splashing around out there. (laughs) Well, I can can tell from my experience, like I said, when I was a a school counselor having success with yoga and mindfulness, I started looking into it. And there's a million, you know, card decks out there. There's a million books out there. And a lot of them are really, really great. But what Yoga for Classrooms offers far beyond just the card deck or just the products is the training that goes along with it. So like I said, our model gets to the point where it's a train the trainer. So we have a foundational training that we want all educators to be trained in. It's a six hour training can be offered in a variety of formats. We have a uh, available in an asynchronous self-paced format. So educators can do it on their own. We offer it quarterly in a virtual but live Zoom setting. And then we go out to schools and districts all the time that want to do like a private training just for their staff. So we Mm. have lots of options, but that's really the foundational, like I said, one day, six hour training to get all educators prepared to implement it. As I mentioned, we teach about the why behind yoga yoga and mindfulness, but then we Mm -hmm. also really dive into what parts of yoga and mindfulness are beneficial when. So you mentioned that you've done some mindfulness, but not so much yoga. So we talk about some seated position, you know, seated postures that students can do just right before you start math, you know, like this, we're talking two or three minutes um, or some standing postures that again, three to five minutes, but a quick little standing sequence to just get our bodies moving. So we really try to teach educators when to use them, not just here's a card deck, because oh, I let a point. lot of card decks stack up when yeah. I was trying. Yeah. Uh, but when to use them and what sequences work for what and that type of thing. So well, that- I like that because, you know, test anxiety is a thing. All of these um, different areas, you know, it's calming down after they've been outside. And yeah. there's all these different places. So it's nice that if you're categorizing these type of things, it just makes it that much more simple. Right. More simple, but more effective too, because 
you know, I had, we just did a training not too long ago and I had a, an educator in there who had been implementing yoga and mindfulness for quite some time, but just didn't have any formal training. And we were going through what to do if um, you're like a energizing sequence. And she chimed in. She was like, oh my goodness, Sarah, I've been doing that as a calm down strategy for years, <laughs> you know? And she was like, I wondered why that one didn't work very well. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, it's not the worst thing. It's still a mindful moment. It didn't like cause everyone to go crazy. But there are some, especially some of the breathing techniques and things that either calm our body or, you know, energize our bodies. So, So we really emphasize that. And then the other component of yoga for classrooms is a leader training that oh. then allows the educators, as I said, to kind of be a, to go through a train the trainers training so they can bring it back to their schools. So yeah, a couple of the things I like most about it is it's, there's no ongoing commitment financially because I mm-hmm. know how schools work and, um, money comes and goes. And I saw that happen too often with SEL programs. You know, we would get a little bit of funding. So we'd get this great SEL program, then the funding would go away and we couldn't renew our contract. Yeah. Yeah. Our access was denied. You we know, it's so, sustainable. Yes. So sustainability is one of the pillars of yoga for classrooms for that reason. So I love, um, you know, Lisa created this model to be very simple, sustainable, you know, we work, I work with lots of educators who are really passionate about it. So they go through that train the trainers program, and then they're the ones out there training. So, you yeah. know, I mentioned Fairfax. Fairfax has several, uh, more than several, a lot of trainers out there. So they'll, every year, one of their PD days is, you know, that one of their trainers is doing a refresher or training their new teachers, new educators. So it's yeah. really easy to sustain that. I mean, you think about it, really, it's like, it's what we talked about earlier. It's like she was able to lay that foundation and the foundation must have been so important to her that this just makes it a no brainer for you to pick up and keep rolling with this train. It sounds like, yeah. you know, that's How a really exciting good point. I that? hadn't thought about that, but you're exactly right. And, and I say all the time, you know, I, I only moved into this role because she's built something so beautiful yeah. um, with such a not just a strong foundation, but one that, I mean, it just really does work and it does so with ease. And, and again, I love that it fits into this idea that we have to all be doing tier one supports. You know, Lisa, even before, you know, years, years ago, way before she was ready to retire. And I, I fortunately got to, to step into her shoes, but when she was training me, she said, you know, Sarah, you can't do this all. Like that's not what your right. terms is meant to be because But we I all feel like the- that. We get right. it's it's like you needed to hear that as much as we all need to hear that. Like exactly. you can't do it all. It's okay. I know, exactly. Because and at first I was like, wait, but I want to, and I right. want to bring this back to my school. And she's like, that's not the yoga for classrooms model. Mm. You know, you can bring this back to your school, but you've got to bring it back to the educators and then the educators roll it out to everyone. And it kind of goes back to what I said that all, a lot of the schools I've worked with, and I guess now that I say it out loud, I was guilty of it too. I was <laughs> almost making it a tier two, tier three support because mm-hmm. as a school counselor, I could only do so much 
But really what we needed was it to be implemented at tier one. And and Lisa knew that from the beginning and built the program to be that way. Yeah. Even if we all just take small steps forward in that regard of not only looking at, and well, first really just choosing to practice it for ourselves, (laughs) right? right? And then choosing to go out on a limb, say, you know, let's give it a shot because I don't think that you would have been in a space where you would have been able to bring it to teachers until you kind of tried it out in your classroom. So I think it's a matter of us going out and just giving new things a try. Mm -hmm. And honestly, once we see the benefits, I mean, just of our brain function and our focus and everything with simple mindfulness and movement techniques that can, it's, I mean, to me, that's like a given, give it a try and you'll be sold, you know, at that point. And then it's just a matter of getting out of your comfort zone. I think. Totally. Yeah. You know, and then you here you are in front of all the adults, you know, here you are, which is even more vulnerable. You're up there in front of all these adults saying, all right, let's do this. And we're going, yep. oh, man, do we really need to do this right now? You're like, yes, we do. <laughs> but like you said, I've had so many experiences, just like the one you so- told about the breathing technique where they're a little hesitant, but the, that never fails that at the end, you know, they're like, ooh, that wow. Yeah. It's so true. true. It's the same way with solution focused. I I dig deep into helping people be better solution focused communicators. And Mm -hmm. people are like, oh, I just, I think it's okay only in certain circumstances. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, just try being really quiet and asking questions. Just try. And just please try first before because kids are amazing. They come up with the most amazing solutions when you give them the chance to turn on their brain and think and couple that with mindfulness and kids just, and, and adults too, they, they will light up and create a beautiful future for themselves that, you know, it doesn't need to be on your shoulders. It's their life, you know, right. and it just all goes hand in hand when we're willing to just be helpful. So, um, I mean, in that regard, like, You've made a ton of steps forward, and I know from the, from from experience that all of those steps are not always easy. And everybody knows that I talk a lot about how we need hopefulness in our life. Can you think of a time that might help us if that you were stuck that just kind of move you towards a hopeful place? Yeah, gosh, so many in this work. <laughs> Sometimes I think education can be feel very hopeless in a lot of ways. Um, You know, I mentioned that the bulk of my experience is in Oklahoma, and Oklahoma can be a really hard place to be an educator, although it's not lost on me that it can be really hard to be an educator everywhere. Um, That's not unique to Oklahoma. Oklahoma just has unique challenges. Um, and, And I think there are, there can be a lot of hopelessness. And I, you know, I talk to educators all the time and I sense that hopelessness. Now, me, myself, I'm not a hopeless kind of person. I'm a very glass half full kind of person and very hopeful person. So when you ask the question, I'm like, oh gosh, I could tell you a hundred times that being hopeful, you know, that things, things work out. But the one that came to mind that I think I want to share is when I first started my work at the Oklahoma State Department of Education, and um, I was hired to to support school counselors, but as I said, to really support 
um, lots of different educators as we build strong systems. And it was a very daunting and overwhelming task. Um, Oklahoma had not historically had extensive support at the state level. We don't offer regional support the way many states do. And we don't offer county supports the way states like California do. Um, so we were stepping in through some federal funding and grant funding. We were, our team was stepping into a really a, an unknown territory, mm. um, which can be scary, intimidating. And, you know, we didn't know how successful we would be. And we felt the weight of the world because we felt like eyes were watching, you know, and we didn't know exactly what, um, how we were going to do all the work we set out to do. So I certainly didn't do this on my own. I had a fantastic team that I worked alongside, but I, there were, there were days that I thought we will never accomplish our goals. Those hopeless Mm. days that I thought, Oh, another barrier or another person who's saying this work doesn't matter or another, you know, article posted about, that school counselors aren't effective or that we should take social emotional learning out of schools or, you know, that diversity has no room in schools, you know, all those things, one after another, after another. It just seems so loud, right? it It was loud and it was frustrating and it did lead to some of that, that hopelessness. But luckily at the time we had a fearless leader as our state superintendent, Superintendent Joy Hoffmeister, and she just continued to believe in the work and she pushed it forward and she pushed it forward. And I think the thing that came to mind when you said a hopeless versus hopeful, I came into a role to support about the 2000 school counselors in Oklahoma. And that seemed, like I said, very daunting. Um, And school counselors were overworked and undersupported and all the things. And at my time, during my time, my three years there, we were able to decrease the school counselor or the student to school counselor ratio from 411 at the, when I started to 356 when I left. And so that was a huge win. And again, Against those odds of yeah. a lot of a lot of hopelessness, a lot of discouraging things happening, and and to me, what makes that story pop into my head when you say hopeful is if that type of change can happen in a pretty difficult climate and during a difficult time in education in the state, then then change can continue to happen. You know, we if we can do it despite the odds, to me, that shows that there is a ton of hope in education. And, yeah. And, yeah. So. I mean, I, it totally makes sense because it's what we focus on. And there are times when we're not going to beat around the bush. Sometimes we're focusing on that glaring thing that seems hopeless. And yep. then it takes, you know, someone like your fearless leaders or someone else to be like, Ugh, I need to move over here and focus on the area that's going to move closer and closer to this hope that we have of having uh, the counseling programs run as possible and really just helping the counselors have a lower caseload, the whole thing. It's yeah. like that seems like a perfect example of how you had to endure, you know, and I just, I feel as though that's probably why that popped in your mind, because many times we don't talk about how endurance is needed 
for us to be able to keep seeing that glimmer of hope, Mm -hmm. you know, because you could have let that hopelessness swallow you up and been like, you know, I'm just going to settle right now, you know, but then you wouldn't be even close to where you are here. So it's just, it's really cool to know that endurance pays off in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. I like how you put that because I do think there are times and I think all the educators listening out there, I'm sure could give a hundred examples of times that working in public education has felt hopeless and has felt, um, you know, like we're never going to get to where we want to be, but we do have small wins every day. And, you know, that I always talk about our why, you know, remembering our why and remembering the work we do and why it matters. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that's what we need to focus on at the end so that our endurance can can maintain, right? Like yeah. you said, because um, it can be hard at times. But yeah, I, the and is- someone, you know, I know that I spoke to a teacher recently that was talking about the heaviness of the burden of all of the things that have to get done. And being uh, very close to a first year teacher, she was saying, I don't know if I even want to continue teaching. I don't know if I want to. And my thought is that's normal. You know, it's normal to go through it. It's what you do with that that matters, you know, and when we feel that like, oh, I don't know, I feel like we need to acknowledge that that's normal rather than just being like, I guess that's a clue that we've got to give up. And maybe it's not. Maybe it's the a clue that we need to keep going because it's even that much more important that we get to the other side. So we discover you know, maybe it is that that teacher is meant to be doing something else, but she has to move through it mm-hmm. to be able to get there. I mean, I think that where you're at, you seem like you're in your purpose, that you're in a place in your life where you're so comfortable with where you're at. So clearly it wasn't meant to be for you to stay, you know, leading those 2000 counselors to continue. You you needed to move forward, but you needed to move like through it. Right. You know, that's so interesting to me because yeah. I think people just like, stop, but maybe it's through, (laughs) you know? Yeah, absolutely. And then everything changed when you moved. How long ago have you been in California? How long ago did you move? We moved in June. So it's very- Oh my gosh, you are so new. So this is your first year of California. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) How do you like the weather? Oh my goodness. I mean, I can see out my window right now, my bright blue skies. Yep. Um, this sweater is way too warm for this time of the day. I got dressed this morning and it was a little cooler. It's hey, we wear it for style. All yeah. right. It's fall. So yep. we wear sweaters. <laughs> you take it. Yep. No. And that's why yes. if you go to our, now, people who come to visit California, you'll go to a store and you'll be like, what is this cheap place having such thin sweaters that they sell? Yeah. It's because that's all we can really wear. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But it's if you nice. travel back over and then you're like, oh no, these this, this these clothes won't work at all. What am I yeah. doing here? I know. We're actually packing right now because we're heading home and <laughs> yeah. it's very cold in Oklahoma right now. We're like, well, I guess we're going to have to wear our big coat on the plane, even yep. though it's going to be 70 when we take <laughs> off because... We're going to need it when we land. So, And you know what? I think you've been here long enough now to where the cold will feel colder probably. Yes. I hate that because I grew up in Seattle and I just, I I have to own the fact that now I have California blood. And when I go home to Seattle and stuff, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so cold. (laughs) Yeah. 
Well, we've even seen some of that here. You know, we'll go on a walk in the evening and it'll be, you know, 60. Right. Down, and people are in like puffer jackets, you know, we're like, no, you don't need a puffer jacket right now. But Give California yourself a few are, years. Yeah. yeah. Yep, I'll probably be that soon. So, and if you're like, I need, think I need a sweater, they'll be like, yep. what? <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I am so overjoyed to be able to really just discuss some of this with you because it's necessary for us to have these kind of conversations for the people that are out there doing the hard work to know that they're not alone. We're in it together, that this is a journey, you know, and whether we're focusing right now on our foundation and how we're giving support to the people around us, or whether we're in a place where we need to jump into our new opportunities and, and move forward. It's, it's so critical that we come together and discuss these things. So I appreciate you so much for taking your time here. Um, Thank you so much for having me and thank you for the work you do. I think it's so important. Like you said, I, I think we need to support one another and I think we need to acknowledge the really good work that we're all doing and and know that we are making a difference. So I yeah. appreciate what you're doing to make a difference and I thank appreciate you. you having me on. Thank you. Now, tell us how we can get a hold of you. What if, because I know this is happening, someone's like, wait a minute, pump the brakes. I need yoga in my classroom. <laughs> tell yeah. us all about how we can get a hold of you. Sure. Yoga for Classrooms has a website, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and it's all yoga, the number four classrooms. So yogaforclassrooms.com, at yoga for classrooms on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Really easy. Yoga number four classrooms. Myself, um, I'm also on social media. As you mentioned at the beginning, I'm on Let's see, what am I on? Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, all as counselor underscore Kirk. And I have a website, www.counselorkirk.com. So pretty easy. Um, I love engaging. I truly, for me, for Counselor Kirk content, it's all about not reinventing wheels. I try to share out resources and share good ideas. Oh, and YouTube. That's the other one for Counselor Kirk and Yoga for Classrooms. And we share all sorts of helpful videos. Um, My Counselor Kirk, I share a lot about comprehensive school counseling programs, MTSS, like we mentioned, Mm -hmm. and all of that. And then Yoga for Classrooms, YouTube has a lot of um, mindful moments. So you can learn more about what those mindful moments look like that we talked about today. That's so so cool. All those places. If any of you guys would like to go to the National Counselor Conference coming up here in Kansas City, Missouri, mm-hmm. right? Yes, I'm doing one. I'm doing um, one about yoga and mindfulness to improve school climate. So similar yes, yes. to what we talked about today, but a little bit more about using it to to really improve the overall school climate. So That's I'm awesome. And I'm doing solution-focused conversations. So that'll be so cool. Awesome. Maybe we'll be able to jump yeah. into each other's uh, sessions absolutely, <laughs> and have lunch or something. But yeah, come visit us. If you guys are coming to the conference, we'd love to say hi. And I guess it's time for us to wrap this up. This has been amazing. Thank you so much, Sarah. You are so welcome. Thank you. Before you go, don't forget to check the show notes where I'm going to leave the links to my social media and the different places you can find me. And I want to invite you to be a part of my 
email community. It's absolutely free. And this year I'm doing so much writing and so much reflecting, and I want to send things directly to you. I send the special notes to my email community and you can email me right back. You have a direct line to ask me questions without any barriers of a website or anything. Check the show notes for that link or go to thefocusedmindset.com. And if you click on getting the journal prompts, you also automatically are able to be a part of my community. And if you're interested in supporting this program, there's three ways to do it. One, make sure you're following this program so it comes up as one of your favorites. Two, share it either on your social media or with someone you love straight to their email. And the third is to leave a review. And I love reading those. By supporting this program, we're helping people be solution focused. See you next week.